0: back hello everybody it is me i am back we are back we're doing the podcast thing again uh Judge buds episode couldn't tell you legit have no clue um because i think it's been about seven years since we did one of these um but as always here i spoke z on the soda pod uh, Judd buds anyways um so yeah obviously you know some of people have been reaching out I obviously haven't done one of these in a while I think we missed the last two weeks Uh, you know I thought you know remember the start of the year I was like oh yeah moving back down closer to work things should calm down and you know I'll have more time to actually do these consistently and I'll be less tired Uh, nope Uh, we're now more busy at work it's out of control Um, I'm dying and um, it's just more chaotic than ever so that's just what it is uh apart from that i have now been sick like really sick for two weeks and then last week was obviously thanksgiving um so i hope you all enjoyed your thanksgiving so obviously i didn't record on thursdays um or that thursday just because it was thanksgiving um but i wanted to make sure we got back here and we did one of these and we're back now so game plan for today obviously there's just like one or two things that we have to touch on in terms of like news and prospect stuff apparently my internet's about to go out so that's awesome really hope it doesn't hope it hangs tight doesn't look promising anyways um but yes yeah, so we do have a couple one or two things we should or really we do have to touch on and with the wild uh, specifically the Rossi thing. And then I'm just going to go into questions. And uh, there are a couple of good ones. We can probably spend some time on those. And then we're just going to get the fuck out of here so we can all go enjoy. If I say, when I say we, I mean I. Uh, Minnesota versus Edmonton should be interesting. Uh, McJesus is on another planet right now, so that could be a problem. But that's what we're going to do. So let's just get into it here. Um, in case you haven't heard, The Wild, after scratching Marco Rossi for, what, four or five games in a row, have officially sent him back to Iowa. Um, They made it clear it's not permanent. He will be back. And basically, they just want him to go get his confidence back, go light it up, go play a lot of minutes, go get offensive touches, get your cookies, um, and, you know, come back here. And obviously, there's a few schools of thought there. Naturally, a lot of people are angry about it. Um, You know, but it is what it is. And here is my stance because I'm guessing you're all wondering how I feel about it. Listen, obviously, as a prospect guy, the first thing that I say is well, I mean, sure, we all wanted big things. We want him to take over and kind of establish himself as a top six center right away. That was probably a little bit unrealistic on our part, right? But. Fact of the matter is, you know, he was playing a lot of middle, bottom six minutes and playing really well. Like this isn't an issue where he's just like playing poorly. Um, You know, I think a lot of the little parts of his game, little details, little decisions, play on the puck um, was actually pretty good. I think defensively he's been pretty good. Um, And it's not like he looks like he doesn't fit in the NHL, right? It's just, you know, he's not producing. He's got that one point. And, you know, for a kid like him, who we're projecting as a top six center of the future, um you know, elite center in this league, that's not obviously what you want to see. And I thought it was really interesting. And I think the best point that I saw was I think it was Joe Smith talking to Tim Army about this, where a while ago, where he said, well, if, if Rossi, you know, what situation would it be best for like Marco Rossi to return to Iowa? And Tim Army said he has to score, he has to be putting up points. Um, because that's what he's going to do at the National Hockey League level when he's at his best. And you don't want to turn this kid into a checker. You don't want to turn him into a middle six, bottom six defensive forward. You're not getting the best Marco Rossi in that event. So, you know, if he goes through a stretch where he's just not scoring, not producing offensively, then send him back down here. Let him play first-line minutes. Let him play 20-plus minutes every night, first power play unit, um, and just rip it up because that's what he does. And I thought that was probably – the most level-headed take that I saw. Now, I, again, I'm in the boat where, no, they didn't really give him a ton of looks in that top six. Like, they didn't really play him, you know, a whole lot with Boldy. They did here and there, but not a ton. They didn't really play him with Kaprizov at all. So, you know, he wasn't really in a position to put up a ton of points. But, I mean, he did have his chances, and obviously wasn't scoring. And I think his confidence did weigh in a little bit. Now, the thing with Marco Rossi is this isn't going to shake him at all um this is a kid with a really good head on his shoulders he's a very confident kid he knows what the deal is and i'm sure he's gonna enjoy being back in iowa and getting you know finding his offensive game again and kind of just establishing that confidence so i'm not worried about it at all and what do you know the first first game first period uh, what do you have two goals and assists one goal two assists just immediate impact three points in that first game last night gets another assist. He's already got four points in those two games, and he's smiling. You can see him in the clips like he's enjoying hockey. He enjoys scoring goals, and that's what he is. So all in all, I don't think it's a bad thing. We've seen this before with players. Eric Sinek got sent down, came back, and played really well. Greenway did the same thing. Like This happens all over the league. Again, it's just with the amount of attention that he had coming in, with the pressure of, you know, we're losing Fiala, we need someone to step up, and – Um, you know, especially at the center position. It obviously hasn't really gone well, or at least gone to plan. So I'm of the mind, as long as he's not down there the whole year, he does come back, you know, we're going to get a different player. I think you'll see a noticeable jump in his step. I think even just getting sent back down, when he does come back up, he's going to have that extra spark, right, where he wants to stay and he wants to produce. Um, And, you know, I do think he's going to find that scoring touch again. He's going to hit the NHL, you know, ready to rock and roll. So um that's kind of my stance on it. Again, I would have loved to have seen him get more elevated opportunities in the lineup, especially when guys are going down with injuries and everything. Um, Cause I do think there were flashes of, of really good offensive play, but I don't think it's a bad thing at all for a young kid to go down, get 10, 15 games, just rip it up and then kind of come in with some momentum behind him. And, we'll see what the lineup looks like when he does come back. Who knows? Cause I mean, again, we haven't even seen a full healthy lineup all year long, right? Like we haven't at all. So, you know, I'm curious to see what it does look like. Where, do, where does he slot back in? What line? Who's he going to be playing with? Um, because again, like Hartman, who knows when he's going to come back? Good Is he going to be at the center? Is he going to be a wing? Sam Steele, who's been excellent lately, by the way, good for him. Really happy for him. You know, where is he playing? So I'll be curious to see what role he has when he comes back. um, Because I think that'll kind of dictate a lot of, you know, what he does in terms of production. But, again, let him go just play his balls off down there. Let him rip it up because it's what he does. He already is. um, And I know Iowa's going to love to have him down there. And he's just been playing so well. He's been on that top line. So, um, you know. Would have loved to see more top six minutes for him, but at the same time, like, it's hard to say, hey, this kid that's played 20 games and has one assist, let's try him in the top six. I, I get it from that standpoint, but I just don't know how much rope he really got. Um, So I think this is only be a good thing for him. And I'm happy to see, again, like, he's smiling. He's enjoying it. Like, you can see the clips again. He's got a big smile on his face playing hockey, scoring goals, and, like, producing. That's the funnest part of hockey, and that's what he's best at. So, listen, I would have loved to have... See him come in right away and just kind of light it up in the NHL, but it's not super realistic. It's a kid that again, I've said this fucking every episode. He lost a whole year of hockey with like a life-threatening illness, right? So you know, it was always it was always going to be tough, especially with a lineup that doesn't stay consistent game to game. Like, um, you know, it's kind of hard to like just figure out where exactly he fits best. But um, again, so. Happy he's enjoying it. Let's see him go put up two points a fucking game down the AHL. It's gonna make that team more fun to watch, um, and I think it's gonna be a good thing in the long run, or it's gonna be terrible. You know, it's gonna be one or the other. No, I'm just kidding. It's not gonna be terrible. It's gonna be fun. But um, I have all the confidence in the world that he's gonna get his confidence back down there, play really well, come in with a you know a full head of steam, some momentum, and he's gonna want to not go back down to Iowa and ride that bus anymore. So that's it. That's how I feel about it, and that's what it is. So, Marco, do your thing, boy. Go rip it up. Keep doing what you're doing. We love you. (laughs) All right, let's just go to these fucking questions. Okay. First question. Tyler uh sure you're going to anyways but can you riff on the hunter hate trade a bit what you're hoping to see what opportunities you'll have etc yeah so that was the big a big piece of news i think it was today earlier today thursday um hunter hate traded from the Barry colts to the uh to saginaw um for a fuck ton of picks these chl trades are so funny they give up like 700 picks they still have like 800 left it's crazy how many picks these teams have and how much they just like give up and it's like 2026 2027 i'm like oh my god (laughs) you're trading like for a nine-year-old um so hunter eight goes to Saginaw now it's been a disappointing first 20 something games of the ohl season for hunter hate i think he'd be the first one to tell you that um you know we were all talking about how he's poised to have a breakout season after you know an okay but not excellent season last year he's just got way too much skill way too he's just way too good really to not put up monster points um and it really hasn't panned out like we were kind of expecting it to so far I think he's just got like nine points in 21 games or something like that you know you see the flashes you know he'll you know have a couple of plays where you know he dance, dances on someone shows off the hands he's got a couple of really nice power play goals um but it really just hasn't kind of stayed consistent and there are a lot of games especially when i'm watching that you don't really notice them all that much and for a kid with that much skill and with that much offensive kind of prowess it's you know it shouldn't be like that now barry i'll be honest that team kind of stinks they're not very fun to watch um and They've been like incredibly inconsistent, and they bleed goals. So they're not a playoff team now. He's going to Saginaw, who's in first place in their division. They're very good. They have some very good forwards up front, and I'm curious to see where he slots in. Now, Saginaw, their first line center was Sapa Valev, however the hell you say it. He was a Vegas pick this past summer in the second round, one pick after Hunter Hate. So you know, I'm curious to see is, are they going to slot him on the wing there. Are they going to put it with the second line center? If they do that, then he gets to play it with Michael Misa, who is a 2025 draft eligible and is challenging for that first overall pick in 2025. He's unbelievable. He's lighting it up as a 16-year-old uh, 15-year-old, however fucking old he is. I would love to see those two together. The That would be a very fun combo. So it kind of really, we'll see where he slots in. It's going to be in the top six. Will it be at center? Will it be at wing? But I think it's going to be a nice change of scenery for him. It's going to be on a team challenging to win, you know, the OHL and win a Memorial Cup and um, a much more competitive environment. And on the back end, he's got Pavel who who is just going to be feeding him 10th overall, I think it was, to the Ducks this past summer um he's like well over a point per game he's a stud so he's gonna have a lot more players around him who kind of match his skill and i think saginaw plays a much more up tempo high pace kind of game where hunter hate should fit in really well because he's a good skater um so we'll see where what line he ends up we'll see who he ends up playing with but i think this is going to be a really good trade for hunter hate and again like this season just hasn't gone as well for him as we kind of expected or would have hoped um so I think this will be a nice fresh breath air where, you know, he's going to be on a team wanting to win challenging to win their division win the Memorial cup um, and just offensively, they're, they're very fun to watch. It's a very fun team to watch. And again, he's going to be eating cookies on that power play with Pinchikov on that back end there. So he's going to have a lot more opportunity just to be in the offensive zone. Like, Barry barely ever had the puck ever like so many games that I watched when then a lot of times like like I keep not even noticing Hunter hate a lot of times it was because he was in the defensive zone so much like he actually was pretty good defensively some of the games that I was watching he was making a lot of good reads defending with the stick really well blocking shots like a maniac um, so I was happy to see some of like defensive stuff but just like offense like man that team is just brutal Um, so he's going to a significantly better team really good opportunity for him. And I hope he does end up on a line with Michael Misa because those two together would be a treat to watch. Cause they're so fun. So just such high skill level quick on the puck. Um, you know, I'd like to see hate be able to, you know, use that shot a little bit more, but also I'd like to see him display that playmate too, that he's got. Cause again, we just didn't really see it a whole lot in Mary because they, it was so rare that they were <laughs> even on the puck and so much of his offense had to come from the power play. But, um, you know we'll see how it goes um you know they were about to play uh Owen sound tonight so it would have been petrovsky versus hate again which petrovsky has been dominating but um but yeah so hunter hate gets to start over now in saginaw and um you know i think it'll be good for him but we'll see again it really just does depend on who he ends up playing with and you know that change in system but You know he's going to a fast team with a lot of with a lot of weapons on offense, and I think you know I'd like to see the playmaking a little bit, and I think that we will just with who he's who he's got around him. So all in all, a really good situation, even though he has to go to fucking Saginaw, which isn't you know it is what it is. Sorry for anyone listening from Saginaw, but um, but yeah, so there you go, Hunter hate to Saginaw first place. Um, I think it'll be great, and I hope those points really start going up because nine and 21 games something like that really is not what we're looking for here so we'll see my voice is already going this isn't good Ah, take a sip of this high life all right next question matthew um thoughts on the emergence of Bankier as a rock star. Also, his first line rat who's a Dinoff, a 180-point player in the KHL. Yeah, clearly he is because he's been lighting it up. Um, so yeah, uh Kaden Bank here has been. I talked about him a few times the last couple of weeks. Well, I guess not last couple of weeks, so I haven't done this in like fucking three weeks. Um, but he is on a tear. He started the season hot and he has only gotten better. Um He's got a couple hat tricks. He last two games, he's got two goals in each 20 games so far. He's tied for the third most goals in the league He's at 17, which again, like I didn't really see coming, but whether he's first line center, second line center, whether he's on the wing, like he's just producing like nonstop. He's on the puck all the time. I love the, how he goes and gets pucks from those defensemen, um, you know he's not just hanging out in the offensive zone, finding quiet areas and scoring. He's scoring from everywhere, and his shot this year has taken a whole. He's at a new level with the shot. Like he's scoring from distance and sniping, and then there are a couple of goals where he's got some breakaways where he's doing the Forsberg. He had a spinorama goal, a shorthanded spinorama goal, like Patrick Kane the other day. Like he's scoring in a variety of ways where you're kind of waiting for it to like kind of die off a bit, because again he's not going to produce. 17 goals every 20 games like that's not realistic but like it's not slowing down and he's scoring in different ways and the versatility there and again like this isn't just an offensive player he's a very responsible 200 foot player where he's on that first pk unit he's on the ice late in close games although there's not many late close games late for Kamloops because they're just like beating the wheels off teams they score so many goals um and i think This year too, I've just seen a different confidence level where he's just trying different moves, trying different things in the offensive zone. Like last year, I don't think he would have tried a shorthanded spinorama, backhand, shelf, like ever. And now you're starting to see what Judd Brackett saw. Like last year was the first year they really started using his size to his advantage. And this year he's doing it almost every time. Like there's a lot of times where you see him get the puck along the wall Um and, you know, he is just moving to the middle ice with a man draped all over him. And he's finding someone back door, finding another lane, but he's getting on the puck. He's staying on the puck and he's using his size foot advantage. And and again, the skating thing too, we talked about last season where that's clearly taken a step where, you know, that first step's a lot quicker. He gets to top speed a lot quicker. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't necessarily say it's dynamic, but he's, you know, showing really good agility, moves right to left really well, like change of pace. So it's starting to become more of like a plus skating attribute than it is just kind of like a non-factor where, you know, you see him break away every once in a while at speed. He's getting away from opponents. He's creating breakaways for himself and he's just such a smart player too. So he has taken a huge step. He's been incredible this season. He's not slowing down. He's only getting better. And again, he's tied for third most goals in the league with 17 in 20 games. So, he's been hot he's not stopping and um it's been really fun to watch and again he's got kyle masters in the back end there who's at 20 points now 21 points um he's at a point per game he is well past last season's total in points in like 40 fewer games so that team is just a whole lot of fun to watch but caden bank here has been incredible again all three zones used in every situation incredibly reliable low maintenance player so he's definitely one with his stock you know definitely on the rise and he's playing a very projectable game too which i love so he looks like a really good option whether it's center whether it's wing, right in the middle six there he's he's got some scoring touch but again he's he's able to be useful in every situation so he's just been awesome um and again he's just he's just been a beast man so that's Bankier. Um, and then Murat, who's Nadinov? He's taken off. It's been like the past two weeks, the prospects have all been lighting it up. Um, but who's Nadinov is now being elevated back to first line center for Scott They're winning games, they're first place, and he is producing like a maniac. He didn't get credit for the assist today. He should have. Um, the game before that, two goals, game before that, two goals and or one goal and like three assists. No, he's got he had goals in three straight coming in. He had played four games this week. The first one is one goal, three assists. Second game was two goals. Maybe not. Maybe one goal. I can't fucking remember. Then two goals the other day too. So that's four games. we have four goals and four assists for eight points. And he is lighting up the score sheet playing center. Uh, it's interesting though. He's like technically their first line center. He doesn't take a lot of the face-offs. Like if you look at the totals and I noticed while I was watching, cause again, I'm like working and watching at the same time. Uh, a lot of times he won't take the face off, but he is slotted as their center. Um, And he takes, it's odd because he also takes more in the defensive zone than he does the offensive zone. So, but that's interesting. Uh, But he's been incredible. And, you know, he's up to, I think it's seven goals, 14 assists for 21 points in 30 something games. I still would like to see him shoot more. But what I do love about these goals, a lot of them are coming from the dirty areas of the ice where, you know, he's a tiny, tiny guy. But, and, you know, in in the past, we've talked about it before. He kind of would stay to the outside a little bit, didn't get to the inside ice as much. But now he's living there. And it's funny, you'll see him like, net front with two defensemen next to him they're both like six four he's like five eight on a good day 102 pounds soaking wet and he's the one finding the rebounds finding the loose puck and tucking him in so he's working his fucking balls off the skating's incredible the skating's like elite level skating and again he's another player he's 200 feet you know he's very effective defensive zone he's on the ice late and close he's killing penalties um he's been used in every situation, which has just been such an up and down year, right? Like he came in, had a letter. It was their top line center. All of a sudden started getting scratched, like playing three minutes a game, got lost his a, um, you know, he didn't actually end up getting sent down or anything, but like basically where he's playing. I think it was one game. You had like a minute, and 12 seconds of ice time. And you're like, what's going on here? Uh, and then he slowly kind of just started climbing his way back up in the lineup. And now you just can't take him off the top line. Like they're dominating him. Gusev, And uh, what's his name? Dimitri Yashkin. They're just ripping teams apart. And who's know has been a big part of it. So, you know, I said before, he did have the potential to be a top six for the National Hockey League. I just didn't see it enough on a consistent basis. And really, I didn't see enough, like, play of him. Like, I didn't see him as a center, effective center enough for me to think he could be a top six center in the national hockey, League, but now you're seeing it. And now he's playing with a ton of confidence. He's all over the puck. It seems like every goal that goes in, he's got something to do with it. Um and again he plays hard man. You know, you would you forget that he's so tiny, but he battles. He wins board battles. I think he actually got significantly stronger this offseason. Um You know, and now he's playing with this confidence on the puck where he's not just like getting off of it, he is keeping it, he's getting to the inside ice, he's finding lanes. Um, and he's just making himself incredibly useful. And now the production's there, so he's showing now on a consistent basis. And again, it's only been a couple of weeks of this but i'm starting to see now it's like oh this kid actually could end up being a top six center at the national hockey level Like i'm seeing evidence of this i'm seeing exactly what you would need to see for to be like confident in that assumption right so um it's been really good to see and this has been coming but now we're just seeing it on a consistent basis and um you know he's just having a really good really 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 good year now so good for him so fucking rights my voice is going. <clears throat> Hopefully that, that might have just ripped your fucking ears off there. Uh, next question, Brian. Good. I have belief that Dean needs to keep the grief line intact all season. Now that they're all healthy. Do you see any reason why this line would or should be shaken up outside of injuries? I saw together that they are again, but they saw that. Oh my God. Saw that they are together again tonight. Uh, yeah, no, I think absolutely. And it's been a, for me, this has been, I can't remember if I've said this on here, but like, the biggest problem it seemed from eventually like with the team with, with Minnesota and just like not playing consistently well, not really like just like dominating teams. Like we saw last season um, was the fact that this line hasn't been together all year. They've been injured. You know, Greenway has been out. felino has been out. I think Eric X hasn't been out, but um, you know, even when Fiala and Caprizov were going the way they, they were going, just lighting it up over a point per game. <clears throat> I really do think that, the greenway Erickson felino line is their most important line, right? Where they're getting all the tough matchups and they're eating the opposition alive. It took, however many, games you know, like 60 games last year before they even gave up an even-strength goal at 5v5. Um, they all chipped in offensively. But aside from that, like you get energy scoring and defensive play out of them, right? Where they're going to forecheck the living shit out of you. You got three massive human beings who are just beasts, and unrelenting and really just like exhausting where even if they're not scoring, they're going to go win the puck behind your net and they're going to have a sustained offensive zone, some sustained offensive zone pressure where you're just on your heels the whole time. And then when you do clear it out, guess who's hopping over the boards? Fiala, Kaprizov, uh, Zuccarello, the top dogs. So yeah, no, I do think like this is their most important line on the team, even if they're not scoring tons and tons of goals. I think just how exhausting they are to play against and how well they all do their jobs. Um, You know, and the three of them kind of need each other. Like Erickson has just been kind of doing his thing. He's just so good. But, um, you know, it's important for Felino, It's important for Greenway to have Erickson, to have Greenway, to have Felino. So it's the most important line. It's their best line, most consistent line. Um, and they're effective in all areas of the ice. So, yeah, I think as long as they're healthy, you have to keep them together. And hopefully they stay healthy now. Who knows at this point? But, um, yeah, no, definitely no reason to uh, break them up. <clears throat> Kevin Sullivan, who do you think the Wild might target for the top six uh, by trade deadline? Hmm, that's a good question. You don't, you don't think Ryan Reeves is the answer? Just kidding. By the way, people are bitching about that trade. I thought it was so, I love it. Like, who gives a fuck 2025 20, fifth rounder? Like he's funny. He beats the wheels off people. He's a beast. I love him. I and mean, he's that he's been pretty good, you know, in sparing sparing role. He's playing on the line with uh with Felio and Eric Zidek, and like hey, they've been fine. They look at the underlying numbers, they're solid. He's doing his job. And uh you know, if anyone wants to uh try anything, he's going to literally murder you. So but anyways, no, he's obviously not gonna be in the top six but you know it's so tough right now to try to figure out what they would really be targeting here because again they haven't been healthy you know your number one center ryan hartman's been out for a while um then you're really still just trying to like put lines together here you don't know what it's going to be like when marco rossi comes back like does he end up getting a look in the top six and fitting in as like a second line center there i don't know so it is tough to figure out what exactly they're going to be looking for. They do need scoring help like that's just because I think defensively they've really rebounded here and actually started defending really well. The goaltenders are both playing well at this point. So that's kind of sorted itself out. It's now just like producing sustained offensive zone time, dangerous scoring chances. Um, You know, it's just too inconsistent and I don't think there's enough high danger activity going on for them to kind of win out every game where they've just been so up and down so you know and it's tough to look at now like the standings are still like pretty weird like this is right around when teams start figuring out rebuying selling and there's only so many teams that you would probably like yeah i know you gotta sell and even those teams like there's a couple of players that yeah i would love to you know that player would be really good to add on here but look at what you give up and i mean if it's a rental they're not looking to resign someone a big money right you got boldy coming up Eventually you have other guys coming up here. So, um, you know, you're probably not looking to resign, but like, you know, if you, let's say you were looking at like a center, do you want to go for Bo Horvat? I don't know. I think he'd be great. Obviously he scores like that's what he does, but how much you giving up, you're not going to resign him. I don't think I wouldn't think. Um, so is that, and again, like in this draft, you really don't want to give up any picks. 2024 looks like a pretty strong draft too. So I'm really curious to see like what teams are willing to throw around for picks and stuff. Cause there's only so many teams that have two first round picks. Um, you know, other than that, like you really don't want to give up a 2023 first round pick for like a rental, unless you're in like the full buy like full cup window and it's closing. Like there's only so many teams that you look at and like, yeah, that's worth it. Um, I mean, like, the first guy that comes to mind for me, and again, like, it's a question of, well, what do we give up if we know we probably can't re-sign him? It's like a Timo Meyer, where all that guy does is creates... He First of all, he produces whoever he's playing with and oftentimes is elevating that line. He's got, like, the most shot attempts this year. He creates scoring chances for himself, for his teammates. Like, this guy's a fucking beast, and he's one of the best, like, forwards in the league, whether it's you look at rush offense, individual scoring chances, individual high danger chances, like all a guy does is produce offense. So, you know, naturally I think that would be a good addition, but that's a very expensive piece that his qualifying offer starts at 10 million. You're not resigning him. So I don't really know who they're going to be looking at, to be honest with you. I look at a lot of teams. I'm like, I don't really know if that really does anything for me, like too much. Like you look in the East, like anyone on Buffalo, not really. Anyone Columbus, not really. Um, Just looking at like different contract situations and, and all that stuff. So I don't really know, but I like a, would it be a center? Maybe, but who the fuck has a center that you're willing to give up anything for and is willing to deal them. I don't know. But um I think my dream would be, or like my best case scenario for getting all like, the things that come at like all like no strings attached like pure player not worrying about contracts or whatever it'd be like a Timo Meyer, just because all that guy does is create scoring chances for himself or his teammates all that so he would be like the perfect fit but you're not going to afford him or at least you do have like the assets to do it but you probably don't want to give up the assets it would take just to lose him for nothing in the offseason Integrity takes how much fun with a Soviet line of Kirill Murat Yurov be? Yeah, I mean, it would be great. Grill- and at me, hey, I just said it, it doesn't seem all that unrealistic. Daniel, uh, Daniel, Daniel Yurov has actually played really well too. Lately, he hit a sick goal the other day where he pickpocketed a defenseman and just went in and sniped. Uh, but yeah, that'd be fun. Hey, at this point, like how well they're all playing right now is actually not even that super unrealistic. Um, but yeah, that'd be sick. All right, last question, I think. Uh, okay, yeah. Last question, and it is a novel. Thank you, Max. In Gmail. This clearly did not fit in 240 characters. Let's try to. Uh, all right, let me just read this here. Uh, going into the season, it seemed like a consensus, at least among fans, that O'Rourke was a bit higher uh, in prospect rankings than Hunt. I bought the AHL packages here at a boy, and I've watched a good number of Iowa games, and I'd put Hunt clearly ahead of O'Rourke. Hunt's puck skills, physicality, poise, and shot hell have stood out, and he already has an NHL body at 200-plus pounds. O'Rourke seems to play a much quieter game, and that's fine, but I'm starting to think if he's not able to get bigger and stronger, still listed below 180 pounds, that he won't make it in the NHL, the style of game that he plays. Of course, he has plenty of time to develop still. Your thoughts on these two? Um. Okay, so I guess I'll answer that part first. Yeah, so I mean, like, I think if you watch Iowa so far this year, I'd say Damon hunts probably stood out a little bit more. Um, but what have I, you know, what have we all kind of, or I don't really know if it's we all, but I know for me, um, you know, one of the things about O'Rourke is he does play a very quiet game. He is the physicality. I think they're, they're right there with each other. Like O'Rourke is a physical bastard. Um, and he plays fucking hard and I have seen him hurt people. Um, he's like the classic defensive defenseman where like he does play a relatively quiet game. He's not going to put up a ton of points. Um, You know, I think he has decent skills on the puck. He just knows that it's not his calling card. It's not what makes him kind of like who he is. So he doesn't really do things. He doesn't need to, I think Damon hunt naturally just plays a more flashy game, a more noticeable game. And he definitely has been used more as well. Just like power play offensive minutes where you're probably looking at Ryan O'Rourke, like, He's living in the defensive zone. He's eating up these tough matchups. um, And it's just kind of a simple, quiet game that that's actually what makes him really good. Um, So, you know, between the two of them, who's been better? I, I don't really know. I mean, neither one of them has been like a complete stud. Neither one of them has been bad. I think for me, just watching them over the past couple of years. The thing with O'Rourke is I think his game is just so much more projectable. I know that, you know, he's still listed at below 180 pounds, but he is incredibly physical. You know, I think he's six, one, six, two. And I think he's just a more consistent, more intelligent defensive player than a guy like damon who's a little bit more but then again again, i've said this before too like this year in the hl i actually think he's been a very calm poised player and he has like you said the poison the puck's been really good and i think he has a bit of complete wild card like he was in moose jaw when he's basically a rover like winning the puck in his own end and all of a sudden like he's first in on the four check like he's like d plus f1 um i actually think he's actually played a whole lot more common. He's just going kind to of been. no, he has been noticeable. He definitely has been more noticeable than O'Rourke, but I think just like consistency wise in the way they kind of play, um, you know, O'Rourke's game just kind of fits the NHL style more so than a guy like Damon Hunt, but they both look, I mean, like Damon Hunt has been awesome. Like he's been really good. So yeah, I'd say right now you probably would lean more towards Hunt just because again, he's just been more noticeable. Um, but you know, O'Rourke really is just—he is what he is, man. Like I remember one of the one of my favorite quotes about Jonas Brodin was from Elliot Friedman. Someone told him like, Elliot Fre- or Elliot Friedman, Jonas Brodin is going to play fifteen to twenty years in the National Hockey League, and you will not even know it. Like he will go so under the radar because he plays it's just a quiet, effective game. And I think they're very different, obviously. Like O'Rourke doesn't have the skating that o- the that Brodin does, um, but he defends incredibly well and he's just reliable he's consistent and that's what makes ryan o'rourke so good so um yeah i you're looking at defensive defenseman versus a guy that probably is more of offensive minded than than o'rourke so you're just going to notice him a bit more but i have definitely been pleasantly surprised with how quickly damon hunt's kind of adjusted so yeah you know you probably lean towards hunt right now but for me i just still think that you know you look at the two styles the way they play o'rourke he kind of just lends himself more to the NHL more so than, than David Hunt does, but they're both playing a projectable game right now. So that's there, there you go. Um, and again, there's plenty of time. Neither one of them is going to be in the NHL next year. They're not going to rush them. They don't need to, they don't have to. Um, so there's both, they both have a lot more time to develop and a lot more areas to develop in. So all that said, um, glad to see you got the AHL package. It's very nice. I enjoy watching, uh, this year's Iowa team, because a lot of those kids are playing and they're playing significant roles. Uh, but that's kind of my two cents on those two players. All right, part two of that question. Um, also wondering what your thoughts are about the potential logjam at D we could see next year in Iowa. We could potentially have, on the left side, Hunt, O'Rourke, Lambos, Marshall Warren, right side, Faber, Johansson, Masters, Spotcheck. That's four at least decent NHL prospects on either side without any vets. Hickets, Mermits, both free agents after this year. Surely a good problem to have, but does this concern you? feels like Warren may want to become a free agent rather than risk getting buried in our system. Maybe a big bane like trade for a third to fifth rounder after BC season could be the way to go to avoid losing him for nothing. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, no. So, I mean, you're probably looking at some of those guys being there. Um, Obviously, Hunt, no Rourke work does play both sides, which is nice. Hunt can play both sides. You'll be curious to see what they do with Carson Lambos. Um, and then Marshall Warren, we'll, be, we'll see. You know, this is obviously his senior year, so his last year in college hockey, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he ends up getting dealt just because there is such a logjam, like you said, and he's not going to be in the NHL next season. Um, and, you know, I do think his value went up since his um, since being drafted, so that's definitely a possibility. Um, maybe even in Pretty likely. Um, And then we'll see what happens with Faber, Johansson. I think Masters will probably be in the CHL again. Like he's been playing really well, but he's still really young. Um, In another year, doing what he's doing now, kind of just dominating uh, the WHL in that system there is fine. So I don't even know if he'll necessarily be there next year. Like you look at it now, like if Carson Lambos didn't make, didn't, end up um I don't even know if he could I guess but you know if Carson Lambo's in the back in WHL like I would say there's a good chance masters as spot check I don't think he's ready for the HL and I don't think he will be next year so um that being I think he is an overager so I think he does have one more year though that he can play in the CHL I would imagine that's probably the route he goes. Um and they definitely do like to keep veterans around. So you know future logjam for sure. Again, it's a really good problem to have. Um, I do think it's likely that Warren probably ends up being traded for a mid round pick, late round pick, just because again, there are so many guys. Uh, but who knows, maybe not. Um, you know, maybe if you're gonna go take a big swing at a trade this year, um, you know, maybe you're looking at an O'Rourke or hunt um, you know, being a part of a package somewhere. So maybe. At that point, Warren doesn't go anywhere. Um, But I do think that, you know, they prefer to keep as many of those prospects as possible. Like, you don't want to trade them while they're still, um, you know, continuing to develop and their stocks going up, obviously. But um, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, no, there's definitely a future logged in. We'll see what happens on that right side with, um, you know, Faber. But I know they like guys like Ottenbright. They like Hickett's. They like, um, mermis and i do think they'll keep him around if you'll notice too like even now there's a bit of a log jam but you know guys will get nights off like hunt will get a night off here and there o'rourke will schuster will hicketts will mermis will like everyone gets a night off here and there like they usually do keep eight or nine in like it like regulars down there so um you know, I definitely don't see it as a problem. It's only a good thing, especially as a lot of these kids are going to develop. But I wouldn't necessarily say guys like Masters or Spotcheck are gonna be the AHL next season. I would say it's probably pretty likely that they won't be, to be honest. And I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, SpotCheck definitely has a lot of work to do. Um and I don't think it's necessary to necessarily necessary to necessarily <laughs> I don't think it's necessary to bring Masters up after like one really solid year in the WHL. I'd have to look at if he's even eligible too. I think he's 19. Um, I don't know if he's played four years of junior hockey, so he might not even be eligible to play in the NHL next season, but I do think they would keep those guys around. We'll see if Faber ends up just going to the NHL next season. And um, There might not even be space. So that might not be an option either, but I just think he is that good. Like He could probably play in the NHL next year, to be honest. He could probably step in the end of this year. I'm sure he will get a game or two at the end of the year after, depending on the contract situation and like the cap or whatever, which is so fucking stupid. These cap rules suck. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens with him, but I would say that there's a good chance they bring back a couple older guys on that, um, uh, back end there. Um, and you know, keep letting guys marinate and develop cause they're in a position where they really don't need to, uh, to fast track anybody here. So, um, definitely not a problem or doesn't concern me um you know let guys compete amongst each other too right like you think these prospects aren't looking on, like oh shit like that kid's also really good oh, he plays my position oh shit he got drafted higher than me oh shit he's doing better than me but he got drafted after i did um uh, a little internal competition so no i wouldn't say it necessarily concerns me if anything you've now got you know more chips whether you want to trade cash in um or just buy yourself time to kind of see who develops the quickest and most projectable game who kind of comes out of nowhere cuz there's always one one or two guys in every pool that kind of pop up out of nowhere, whether it's like a late round pick that ends up taking off or whatnot. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with Iowa. Again, it's really early. Like it's really <laughs> December of this year. So we'll see what happens. Like there's a whole lot of time before next season, you even you have to start thinking about it. Um, but I think it's only a good thing. Like I can tell you coming from Boston, I would love to have this problem. Right where the prospect pool's pretty, the is pretty empty. There are a lot. Of, there are a couple guys that are decent, but in terms of like high end guys, not really. So um, I think a lot of a lot of organizations would kill to have this kind of a problem. Where like, oh, our pipeline's too good. Um, so definitely not a concern. Definitely only a good thing. And um, you know, internal competition's good. And these and these kids are studs, man. Like they're so fun to watch. Like, but like how good these kids are, like already especially like just watching like different draft classes you have to hear, I'm like holy shit like half these kids like this kid might be able to play in the nhl tomorrow um so it's just fun to watch but no definitely good questions for sure um and really the only way to answer those questions is just keep watching and kind of see who ends up developing who has that steep curve right so um but, yeah, no, I mean, they're in a very good spot with their with their pool, obviously, and the fact that they're just now entering, hopefully, contention window. So it's all good in Minnesota in terms of the future. So um, look at that, 45 minutes on the dot. Um, prospect, I'm just writing this down. 45 minutes on the dot, we're done. So that's going to do it. Again, my apologies for missing the past month of uh, podcasting hopefully next week i'll be back with a full voice full energy um maybe i'll have a guest with me Man, that'd be fun. i might thinking about it should i just like throw the hammer down So say like, definitely will i think at this point you guys are all smart enough to not listen to a fucking word i say um but anyways thank you as always for tuning in i'm sorry that i missed a couple weeks in a row again and uh we'll see you next week for another edition of Jump but